Welcome to Discussions with Dina, providing talk therapy on various topics that are of concern to the everyday individual and focusing on rebuilding the original and the traditional family. Speaking honestly about topics that may be ignored or those considered taboo, from relationships, social concerns, rearing of our youth, entertainment, and of course, the topics of the day. Feel free to express yourself as we serve up a huge dose of reality and a big helping of truth. Now sit back, relax, and let's begin our talk therapy. Oh, and remember to pencil me in Monday through Friday at 12 p.m. for your talk session right here on Discussions with Dina. Now tune into Discussions with Dina. Welcome, welcome. I am Dina, and of course, this is Discussions with Dina. Welcome, welcome. This is your daily talk session. This is talk therapy. Let's get it started. As we know, last week was full of surprises and a lot of things happened. Just to name a few, there was the George Floyd conviction of Chauvin or Chauvin, whatever his name is. And um, he was actually convicted for the murder as he should have been of George Floyd and he has not received his sentence as of yet but this is something that um, actually came to an end and I think that people took a deep breath afterwards to see him convicted so now we're waiting for the sentencing to see if it in fact fits the crime that he did because he actually killed George Floyd. But I'm getting the impression somehow that the judge may not. I, I think he was, I got the impression that the judge was not pleased with or okay with convicting him. I think he had some kind of conviction himself. He believes, perhaps he believes and I don't know for certain, but the way he was reacting and speaking on the case, that he really didn't want to convict Derek Chauvin. It, it came off that way, or Chauvin, however he pronounces his name. I got the impression that that judge really didn't want him to be convicted. You could tell how he kept bringing it up when he was talking about... Um, what's her name, Maxine Waters, and that was another incident where he was scolding the jurors, and I think sometimes we assume that these judges are impartial when in fact they are not, because they're human beings, 
and they can feel a certain way. And sometimes we like to think that they can rise above their personal feelings, but in fact, that's not always true. So we will see what the sentencing will be for um, Shaven. And I think that the judge actually gets to decide what that punishment will be. And I see that he is expected to do an appeal. The judge was, in fact, telling them what they could do. Now, recently I read that um, the Department of Justice is also considering charging Derek Shaven in a 2017 incident where he did the same thing with a 14-year-old child, a black child, as a matter of fact. It is alleged that he beat this child 14 years old and that he knelt on him for 17 minutes. And I believe this may have actually happened, even though we have to say alleged, because oftentimes when there are black youth or black people involved, we kind of push it to the side like whatever. It's not important. But um, they said they have video of this incident and I would certainly believe that if it's recorded then there it is. But of course we're often told don't believe our lying eyes. Now of course this evidence wasn't even presented during the trial. Because the um, defense argued that the jurors, jurors should be barred from hearing about his history of neck and body restraints, which is a bizarre thing to me. It should have been part of, because he has a history of this. And I think that would have, which his behavior is enough. You have him on video. He was kind of cocky about what he was doing. But it wasn't admissible. They wouldn't allow that to be heard by the jurors. But um, this child, this video is alleged to have been from September 4th, 2017. And it shows him striking this child in the head so hard that the boy actually needed stitches. And that at that point, he is alleged to be holding the boy down with his knee for nearly 17 minutes and that he ignored even then the complaints from this child that he couldn't breathe and I am told that this video will show a far more violent and forceful treatment of a 14 year old this is amazing but it's not new because here in America, this is very common, a common practice, a common behavior to not take in account the lives of black people. Law enforcement tends not to do that. And so often our cries are just unheard. But we can clearly see there's a difference. There's a restraint when they are dealing with non-black people. That's evident. You can look at all the videos. Oftentimes when they're there on the same kind of calls, the reaction is totally different from the officers. 
Now, also, while they we were waiting to hear the verdict from the um, George Floyd case, there's another incident that occurred, and that was where a policeman actually killed a 16-year-old by the name of Micaiah Bryant. And there seems to be some type of controversy behind this incident. Now, I'm sure most people have already seen the video over and over of this um, Columbus police who killed this teenager who was fighting. Now, I'm not sure exactly what led up to this incident because I don't live there and I'm not familiar with them personally. I can only go by what I am told and what I read and have read in the news. But according to this body cam footage, they show the police getting out. They show this um, black man that actually kicks a, a black female and in her head and she rolls over then they show this um teenager is fighting with starts fighting with another lady now i am told that this incident stemmed from something which is a little bizarre to me when i when i'm getting information from it and i have to say all of this is alleged it's hearsay I don't know how much is fact and how much isn't. I am simply going by what I have read and what is being told. Nobody actually knows. There are certain facts that we do know that there was a call made to um, law enforcement. And that this was not the first call made to law enforcement. That there have been several calls to this resident. Residence. Um... I am told, I read that Micaiah Bryant, the 16-year-old that was shot by the police, she's actually considered to be in foster care, her along with her sibling. And I read that it was her sibling that called it, that she called the police several times before, that her foster mother, because they're foster children, it's a foster home. The foster parent actually called the young lady in the pink and another one, which are her previous foster children that she supposedly raised, came, asked them to come over and speak with or perhaps talk with Micaiah about cleaning up her home. This is alleged. This is all hearsay, of course. So they came over. And there is a female that is making a call to law enforcement. She's asking for help. She's wanting and needing help. And to know that this, this wasn't her first call. That police have been to their house several times. But these children are in foster care. And I'm wondering where are the incident reports. If this foster home and the foster parent was having such a hard time with these young ladies, why didn't someone 
take the time to place them somewhere else or find them better accommodations. Now, I know there are people who believe that the policeman was justified in what he did. I don't agree with that. This was a 16-year-old child. I don't care how you look at it. She was a 16-year-old child. And of course, she's fighting and she's having a weapon. But is that not her home? Is she standing her ground? There are so many unanswered questions here that, to me, it puzzles me that there are people that think this kind of stuff is acceptable. And I think the only reason people tend to think that it's okay is because she is a black female. But this is still a child nonetheless. And when I saw this, and I saw her wielding the knife, and I get some of the background information, and especially when I learned that the guy, the black man that was out there, that was fighting, or I know he kicked the other female, was her father. And I learned that this was a foster home. I couldn't help but think. Some adults failed this child. On so many different levels, we failed this child and these children. I later learned that the woman in pink is a She's not a teenager. She's an adult. She's 28, 29, or 30, as well as the female that is with her. And my question is, why would she be going to the foster home to fight or argue with these foster children? Why weren't they being protected? Even... With the father, I hear a lot of this and that about him telling her to go fight. I know for some communities that may be acceptable, but your job is to protect your children. This is a child. She shouldn't have been fighting with this adult later. lady. She should not. I mean, I think it would have been better for the father. And of course, we can say all of this since we were not there. And I cannot speak for being there at that time how I would have actually responded but it seems like the sensible thing would be for him to try to protect her until law enforcement makes its way on the scene to say that these two ladies are attempting to harm my daughter, my 16 year old daughter but of course today there is a need for us to become that village once again. We seem to have lost the ability to solve conflict with one another. And I've spoken about the rage that we tend, the actions that we tend to have when it comes to fighting each other. We don't hesitate. That rage comes up and it comes out toward one another but we don't share this same rage and ability when we're dealing with people who are non-black and that's something we have to work on there's a need in our black family 
in the black nation for us to start preparing and offering parenting classes not just parenting classes but we have to function once again like that village where we protect our children we protect our youth and sometimes there are parents that are not capable for whatever reason to take care of the children that they produce and then that's when other people come in and try to assist in that manner but our goal should be preparing our future somewhere along the way we kind of got it mixed up we got lost we strayed away from it and that's something we need to get back to because it's causing us our lives no I don't think there was any justification for what it is that the police done I just don't first of all this young lady was shot four times. I didn't hear, but of course it may have been said, but I didn't hear him say, put down the knife. I didn't hear him give a direct command to this young lady. I saw him trying to decipher what is going on, but to shoot four times in the chest. That's a horrible thought. And people are trying to rationalize this by saying they're taught to neutralize. More than anything else, the police is supposed to protect and to serve. This 16-year-old girl, she was let down by so many people that should have been there to protect her. I think the officer, of course, was wrong, but that is simply my opinion. I don't think it was necessary to shoot this young lady four times, especially in her chest. If you want to neutralize the situation, you could have shot her in her leg. You didn't even have to shoot her. You could have used your gun, that um, taser. Why didn't you get on the speaker and speak like they often do when they come up and they see us? I think the problem is oftentimes they don't see us the way they see, and I'm talking about Caucasians or non-black people. They don't see black people's humanity. They don't see us as humans or value us the way they value themselves. So it's easy to pull out a gun when you see black skin and kill them. Because I've seen a lot of footage of non-black people with knives and weapons who pulled them on law enforcement and actually used them against law enforcement and law enforcement never used a weapon some of them they didn't even taser and they took them in alive but when it's us I think there's a different mindset and we keep saying that they have to be retrained I don't think retraining is it. I don't. I honestly believe that because of the way the whole law enforcement was established, the way it came about, because it kind of evolved from the slave hunters that would come and find our people 
and they would do all manner of inhumane stuff to black people in an effort to bring back the runaway slave to his master. And there was no consequences for their actions because we were not even considered to be human beings. And I think deep down in that consciousness, it still exists. So no, I don't think there's any way that you can change that. I don't. That's my personal opinion. I think what you have to do is you have to get rid of that system. And that's something that would take a lot to do. Because that means you would have to put another system in place that would be there to offer protection to citizens as it is needed. And we have the ability to do that. But many of us don't choose to. But because this, the way this entire system has been developed, it makes it difficult for us to ever expect anything other than what we see from non-black people that are in law enforcement when they see us. I think it's something that we have to be realistic about. I don't think it's retraining because you can't retrain what's deep down in your DNA I think there has to be a new system and there are ways that you can structure communities that can protect and provide protection from others and offer conflict resolution because if you have a love for the people a genuine love and care for the people you are less likely to want to harm or kill them it's like with that Tamir Rice situation as soon what they killed him in five seconds this is a child so oftentimes black people even though our youth are children, they're not seen that way in the eyes of many people. And we like to pretend that it's not so, but this is factual. We, we merely have to look at the actions and compare and contrast it to the actions that we see when they're dealing with people who are not black. There's a totally different way that they respond. There have been people, white men, who have killed seven, eight people. And they're handled so gently. Their head is, they're making sure they're holding their head so they don't bump their head when they get in the car. They're offering them meals. They're cleaning them up. They're talking to them very softly. But that, that's not what we get when we're pulled over. Black people should not be wind up dead because your headlight is out because your car malfunctioned and you're sitting inside the road that should not lead to your death because you responded to an officer who asked you a question in a manner that he thought that you was being disrespectful that should not cost you your life so many times we try to justify well if he had done this if he had listened, if he had taken orders, if he had done this or done that. 
and that comes from us with this post-traumatic stress we have we have to find justification sometimes as black people we justify others harming us and we don't realize but it's deep within us sometimes it's easier to justify it that way you don't have to get up and do anything about it but what we're seeing we have the solution too but many of us would not want to get up and do the work that it takes to solve our own problems we find it easier to just it's like if you're mixing up batter and you have to get all the ingredients in there instead of going to buy each ingredient to make a cake or a batter it's simply easier to get a mix that has already been done for you and you pull that out and you try to use it to fit your recipe but it doesn't come out right it needs to be rebuilt and I know they talk about defunding of course we need um, law enforcement but the system that we have has not been affected it hasn't given us real justice and we can't deny this and I know many people would like to because if they were to speak out strongly the powers that be take away their resources and their ability to take care of their family in other words they like to snatch those purse strings from you so many black people know that there is injustice, but they are not going to speak boldly because they're going to take something away, which is also a part of the problem that we have within the black nation of people because we should be building and providing for ourselves. And yes, it's hard. It's going to take hard work, but it doesn't mean that it's not something that we can accomplish because we most certainly can. I've always noticed, we call it, we, when you walk around, you can find where most groups, they tend to have a section of town. And I always look to the black section, what they call the black neighborhood. And I tell people, this is not the black neighborhood. No, we've been fooled into thinking that this is the black side of town. It's not. You can tell who's running, what businesses, who's running those businesses in our black areas. It's not us. Who owns most of the homes in those areas that we like to say, the black neighborhood. Most of the time there are Indians, there are Arabs, there are Asians, they're Caucasians, but there are very few black-owned businesses in the black, what we call the so-called black neighborhood. And this is an issue that we need to seriously consider and change. We need to be providing our own businesses within our neighborhoods. That doesn't mean that we have to be anti anything else. Every group out here looks out for their people. 
but somehow we've been taught that that's wrong and some of us have actually accepted that I reject that thought I think we should do the job of building our neighborhoods and providing grocery stores clothing stores farmers markets hospitals schools banks libraries everything that is required we should be offering it as a people and no that's not racism when people go to little china little haiti or whatever i am not offended when i go there or when i visit any place that we say this is the hispanic or latino side of town I am not offended that I'm seeing Latino businesses. What I would like to see is us doing the exact same thing for our people and ourselves. We have to become able to provide jobs and opportunities to our people. We have to provide the things that we need to survive. This is how we can take back the power that we need to control our neighborhoods and our lives so that we don't have to be afraid to speak out about injustice, that we don't have to be afraid of losing jobs or opportunities because we want to exist and to live free from abuse of, by authority. We don't want our people to be murdered for a light being out because they said something back to an officer. And the only people that have the power to control that is you and I. Until we accept that and work towards that, we will continue to be savagely murdered and asking and begging for justice. We have to learn that it is upon us to do what we need to survive as a community, as a nation of people. It is our duty to do for self. And it is time and overdue. Now this has been your talk therapy session. If you have a comment or would like to speak on any of the topics that I have talked about today, feel free to subscribe and leave your message. I will gladly listen to your side, your opinion, because this is how we solve issues. I want to invite you to check out Discussions with Dina on YouTube, on Facebook, and on all the social media platforms. I want to thank you for listening, and I will see you next time on Discussions with Dean. Thank you for listening. Thank you.
This concludes your daily talk therapy session. Please be reminded that your appointment is scheduled for Monday through Friday at 12 p.m. Thank you for listening. Enjoy your day. This has been a discussion with Dina. Oh, thank you.